I'm Paddy Jabork, the barber, from the Two Mile Bush, uh, Four Mile House, here in Midtown, Roscommon. I want to get our pole, and this is the famous barber's pole. When I'm in, my pole is out, and when I'm out, my pole is in. So we start off the day, and we'll get our pole out. Tommy, what do we go for, please? Oh, we'll go for the one, Paddy, the usual. A one all over? Yep. And what about the tap on the front? What are you doing? I can do the same. Okay, perfect. A one all Thanks, over. Thanks, Paddy. A number one for a number one man. We're going to go for a man. It's been six days since the All-Ireland football final. Did you enjoy the All-Ireland, Tommy? It was good, Paddy, yeah. Mm. It sure was, no. Some finish, wasn't it? It was good, no. finish really yeah. it's amazing how Dublin got four points down and then the turnaround and after in the final seven minutes they outscored Kerry 1-3 to, to a point it was an unbelievable transformation wasn't it oh, yeah. you know and then Kevin Nolan came up and he got the leveling point yeah. and then Bernard Brogan he got another point and then what a point by Kieran Danahy wasn't that some point to draw that game? Yeah, well, no. God, it was, an, it was an amazing goal, and then the winner. Oh, it is breathtaking stuff, and Stephen Cluxton will surely have a chance to win the Sam Maguire for Dublin 16 years after they won their last, 1995. Two minutes of added time are being played. God, it was some finish, wasn't it? Amazing oh. scenes. <laughs> Great finish. This kick to win the All-Ireland. He's one from two, and Stephen Cluxton runs up, kicks the ball. Cluxton, what do they tell you on the hill? They tell you it's over! No, Liam, a great man. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thank you. The championship may end with Stephen Cluxton's magnificent point, but the 2011 football championship begins not in Craw Park or any park anywhere in Ireland, but in New York. New York says welcome to Roscommon for the football game. We are making a documentary following Roscommon fan Paddy Joe Buck through the championship. Their first game is against New York. New York is going to whip your butts tomorrow. The only problem is that Paddy Joe isn't here. Somehow, he's still in Roscommon, despite buying a plane ticket and making a hotel booking. Uh, Paddy, now, um, did you go to, don't you go to New York to see the match? Well, you know, funny now, um, I was in New York all day. But unfortunately, we booked the tickets and weren't the tickets booked wrong? Didn't we book for the wrong weekend? I left it to somebody else and uh, unfortunately didn't they book the wrong week. So we could have changed and they were talking about changing it and it was going to make a bit of, it was going to make a bit of hassle and it was going to be a bit more, you know, uh, so we decided to leave it. And didn't I go the week after? So we end up making a documentary where the main protagonist is 3,000 miles away. Even without Paddy Joe, the Rossies run out easy winners in the first game of the championship. Well, Seamus Hayden here, former Roscommon footballer, is about to celebrate uh, Roscommon's great win. The news has broke that Osama bin Laden has been killed. Uh, that is big news. We thought we would be have a big news of the weekend, but the Roscommon win has been totally overshadowed by Osama bin Laden. USA! USA! 
USA! USA! USA! But the night will not be remembered for events in Gaelic Park. As thousands of New Yorkers party surreally with the Roscommon fans, very few even mentioned Sinan Kilbride's five points. I was happy, you know what I'm saying? Because one of my friends was in the uh, Twin Towers when it, when it, and he's the mastermind of the Twin Towers falling. And I was happy, I was laughing. And tears came to my eyes, tears and joy, tears of joy, you know what I'm saying? Now, we avenge our loss. So I was actually happy about it. So I'm actually happy, you know what I'm saying? We, we, we avenged our loss. Over 3,000 people done died that day there. And in the space of an hour, 3,000 people died. And I was happy about it. It's about time they got him. Everybody in this city is affected. Everybody in this country is affected. But more so New York City, man. This is, yeah, they knocked down the towers, bro. Knocked down the towers, knock his head off. I'm happy as hell. There should be a party right here. It should be a party in New York City. It should be a party around the world. We ate dinner here in Times Square, and we were walking back, and I got a phone call from my friends from upstate. And uh, upstate New York, everyone's patriotic, you know. News like this is just like, you know, go America. Thing to stand up straight there when you do something with it. Okay, take it top down a bit. Take her down fairly well. Okay, right. tightish, tightish. If you drive through Roscommon, you will know Paddy Joe's house. I guarantee it. If there were not Ireland for distinctive houses, he would win it. Through the front door or back door. Tell me something. What hour of the day or night do you change those flags? <laughs> well, that's funny. Now, sometimes if I don't get home too late, or if, if it's too late in the evening when I get home, I do have to get up that bit extra in the morning, Holly, to get up, and I'd always change or be putting them out and for whatever is coming up like, you know. So it could be, it could be very late at night or very early in the morning. That's when the flags are changed. Well, I was often wondering, because I've passed that road a fair bit, and... Uh... I could never get you in that. <laughs> Funny now, someone, someone else said that as well to me now, and they were asking me the same question, yeah. but we get them out anyway now. And do, you like, do you like me flags? Oh, very impressed, yeah. Yeah. God, I, lo- I love them myself, Holly, now. And we have, uh, we have all 32 flags. And um, I was looking there now to get a flag from New York and one from, from London. And we have uh, we made we made uh, I made up my own flags for them. So in actual fact, Holly, I have 34 GA flags, and we discriminate against no one. Everyone gets their flag put out at Petty Joe's. How did it start off? How did you start off? Well, funny now, it started off. I remember going to my first match with Roscommon back in um, first time ever I seen Roscommon playing was in 1963, and there was a small bit of a flag, and they did an old man habit. And it was a challenge game down in St. Coleman's Park, Dublin, and Roscommon was playing. And the great Onzi Hoare, the Lord Mercian, and he refereed it. And this old man turned round and gave me this weather-beaten flag. And I thought it was a relic. And I brought it home. And I think that started me. And then when I got, when I got big and when I got a few pounds myself and when I had a bit of spending money or pocket money, I started buying flags. And everywhere I go then... Any match I'd go to now, I'd always buy whatever GA flags would be on sale and I'd bring them home and I'd use them then for other days. Like. So I've been collecting flags for years. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. 
I was too young to be let go to Castle Bear. Even though I, I love football more than a lot of the older men who went, I often felt a bit of an injustice. It should be me that should have gone, and some of the old fellas that had no interest in football should have left the space. But kids doesn't always get their own way, and I didn't. But back in our house that day, I can remember we had the radio in the corner, and the Lord to mercy on John Fahey was a man with a big hat and the pipe in the mouth, and... He, he went closer to the radio as the game got more tense. He got the impression that if he, if he actually went into the radio, the Roscommon would win. And he was a tall man, and the pipe shaking, the head shaking, and he had in, in the corner under the radio. Every chair was taken, the radio turned up, silence in the house, no one spoke, bear the commentary. And to our horror, didn't the radio break down? Uh, we didn't know what to do. Mammy, the Lord to mercy on her, said, everyone, get down on your knees. And we said, the decade of the rosary. Before the decade of the rosary was finished, thank God, the radio came back on. Not alone did the commentary come back on, but for a scumman was now leading, leading cabin. And we went on to win the All-Ireland semi-final with John Fahey's pipe shaking, his head shaking. We all sing the rosary. The Rossies and Jerry O'Malley are in the All-Ireland final, 1962, and I'll never forget the excitement in under, in under the radio. We were all in the corner, and it, it, it's a great memory of the 1962 All-Ireland semi-final between Roscommon and Cavan. Now we're going Grand T. Can you jump there now? You know what it amazing too with the roads, like how busy they have got. Yeah. God, I remember one time, you know, if you were in England and you'd see the traffic you'd be rolling in at the early hours of the morning. And now hasn't Ireland caught up and aren't we doing the same? From half four to five o'clock. Yeah, going early. Yeah, big change. Trying to beat the traffic. Yeah. As the championship begins, Carlo claim a big scalp in Louth. But London are the team everybody is talking about after they shock Fermanagh. London pulled away over the closing minutes. And points from Kieran O'Callaghan and substitute Killian Clare jumped the score back out to a six-point lead. The final score of the game from a London viewpoint was scored by yet another substitute as Cahill O'Sullivan ensured London's patches through to the second round of the qualifiers. London's first ever qualifier win and the celebrations of the players told their own story. London entered the Connacht Championship back in 1975, We are now in mid-June, a far cry from the glamour of May, closer to Manor Hamilton than Manhattan, as Roscommon face rivals Leitrim. Folks, here we are. It's the most famous car start of the year. First day following the Rossies. Key in the ignition. Windows closed, the rain has softly fallen. Carrick and Shannon, here we come. What a day, this is it. Come on, the Rossi. Come on, the Rossi. Come on, the Rossi. For Paddy Joe, Carrick and Shannon is where it all begins. It was on a Sunday morning. We were playing Leitrim down in Carrick and Shannon in both minor and senior in 1966. Poor old Mammy, the Lord to mercy on her, she was brilliant. She too loved the Rossies. But I had to be a good boy to make sure I got to the matches. We had to do the little jobs that were given. On the Sunday morning of that match, Mammy left me minding the fresh bucket of milk that she was after milking by hand from the cows in the field. 
And in the same field that the cows were, we had pigs running. And I, I had to mind the bucket of mink. And she said, don't let the pigs knock that now. So I was there, but I forgot about the bucket of mink. And the two pigs came. I turned round, and to me horror, I seen the fresh mink with froth on it flowing through the green grass, the bucket upside down. And immediately I said, oh, God, there's the bucket of mink gone. But worse for me is my chance of going to the match later on gone. Mammy came. She wasn't that happy with Paddy Joe and the two pigs and the bucket of milk on the ground. But anyway, thanks be to God, she, um, she let me go to the match. I got with a neighbour, David Kelly. We all packed in six or seven of us into a cortina, head from Roscommon down to Carrick on Shannon, got into Carrick on Shannon, seen Dermot Early playing for the minors. And on the same day, the late great Dermot Early came in and played for the seniors all on the one day. So I had an emotional day. I've seen a legend playing for Roscommon. I've seen every single match that the great Dermot Early played. And that was after the horror of the pig spilling, the bucket of fresh mig and that fresh, lovely white froth flowing on fresh green grass. But it didn't stop Paddy Joe getting to Kerry on Challenge that day. A great memory. <laughs> Roscommon of a free. Pothole Craig gets on with it and Doney is out in front again of Dermot Reynolds. Doney Shine on the left foot looking for the first point and he's got it. Great score from Doney Shine. Mossy Byrne up after it. Roscommon though win it. That's Carol Mannion, the experienced man. Ten is Senan O'Grady. Drifting out now Senan Kilbride from St. Bridget's, the Connacht champions, Kilbride looking for the second score, and he's got it, and this is a powerful start by Ross Common, laying down a marker, the Connacht champions not intent on surrendering their title in Carrick on Shannon. Well, it's half-time now here in Carrick on Shannon, and the scoreboard reads, Ross Common 1-7, Leitrim 2 pints. Setting Kilbride of Ross Common got way under that but Donny Shine may not bother too much Reynolds got a fist to it here's an opportunity they're in here goal chance this will send them to the Connacht final in style Richard has and it's Connor Devaney second goal delicate little finish from Connor Devaney it's game over now it certainly is didn't they do well very composed rounds the keeper and it is game set in match now just right on the 70 mark. Pat McEnany calls a halt to... Well done, the Rossies. Well done, Roscommon. So the Rossies face Mayo in the Connacht final. Familiar foes, Kerry and Cork meet in Munster. Wexford face the Dubs, while for the first time in a generation, there is no Tyrone or Armagh in Ulster. They have it back. Donegal have won possession back. Now, is there going to be a winning score here for Donegal? It's real end-to-end stuff at the moment. You just cannot take your eyes off this game. Paddy McRarity lobs it into space, but it's a poor ball. It's an opportunity for Donegal. It's Malloy. Malloy with a chance to seal it, and he has. Donegal are heading to the Ulster final. Murphy with the offload. Malloy, bang, it's a goal. Can I get a three and a four, please? Okay. Um, Perfect, Michael. You got a nice three back and sides and four in the top. Yeah, please, yeah. Grant. 
Uh, you got a nice picture there of Kevin Warren. Yeah, God, I have Michael. God, he was an amazing player. He was a great footballer. He was great with the dubs. And uh, back in the mid-80s, do you remember when he was sent off playing for Man United? Uh, and, you know, it was amazing. He was actually sent off in the final and United went on to win. And then when they were given out the medals, the fact that he was sent off, he nearly set a precedence because he was the first player ever to be sent off in an FA Cup final. And he didn't get his medal. And do you know what we done, Michael? We bought a medal for Kevin. And we sent it off to Kevin. We uh, posted it and we sent him a registered mail with his prize medal that he didn't get in the FA Cup final, but the Church Street traders came up Trumps down in Midtown, Roscommon, sent him over his medal. And fair play to him. He's, he wrote us back a beautiful letter, which we still have at home, uh, thanking us, and he was very appreciative, and he got his medal eventually. Joe is here, Ming is here, but there is no sign of Enda on the day of the Connacht final. From Ozama celebrations to hospital closures, the Rossies sure do attract mass rallies. Well, the day has finally arrived. It is July 17, 2011, the morning of the Connacht final. There's a protest taking place, as you can hear in the background, and that protest is in... Is it's in recognition of the tragedy that happened during the week in Roscommon when our A&E was closed down. It's a tremendous tragedy, it's a tremendous loss, and the great people of Roscommon are making their feelings held today, and the best of luck to them. Despite the rain, there's a huge turnout for the Connacht final. A large crowd of people, all with different stories. Dermot Early Jr., a Kildare footballer and son of Dermot Early. I'd like to think that, that my birth was probably the biggest thing that, that was going on in my family at that time. But uh, the Connacht final was uh, scheduled for the 9th of July. Um, and at the time, Dad was trying to get the, uh, the work and football, sorry, the family and, and, and football balance right and as he put it himself, he was working out about 70% football and 30% family but um, yeah I, I was I was born on the 7th of July and um, mum was of course, she was in hospital and couldn't go to the game, neither of us could go to the game and uh, thankfully Roscommon went on to, to win the game They stayed down for the night of celebration and the next day then the cup was smuggled out of Roscommon and driven home to Mount Carmel where it was brought in and um, I was placed in it I think two days three days old and uh, I suppose that's my first real um, I won't say memory but uh, taste of, of, of inter-county football the Connacht final of 78 was played in Pierce Stadium um, and at that time the tradition was that 
um, members of the clergy or the bishop would actually throw in the ball at, uh, at the start of the game and um, as uh, the midfielders made their way out um, they were greeted by Bishop Eamon Casey and uh, as they shook hands his first comment was well lads are you, are you nervous you know and then he threw the ball in On top of it all, you know, the one thing that he kept throughout his whole il- his whole illness was that um, you know his smile was still there, and I know there were times when you know he knew himself that he wasn't well, and that must have been very tough for him. And uh, you know, looking back, you can you can see how tough it, w- it would have been for him, um, but. You know, the man he was, he, he always had that smile and when he recognised who he was talking to, um, it certainly came out and that's something that I won't ever forget. And even, as I said before, that a lot of people had come and visited the house in, in, in the last couple of months and, um, you know, he had, he had a huge amount of visitors and um, on one occasion... Michal Amorty came, and I suppose he was in the latter stages of of the illness, and he wasn't really communicating at all. But um, Michal sat down beside him and uh, just had a conversation. And I think as soon as he recognised uh, Michal's tone, the voice, he certainly brightened up. And uh, I was there in 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 the kitchen, and I remember looking at the two the two men, and it was a nice moment. And it's half time. Uh, Brendan Lynch, Roscommon footballer of the 40s. I do remember at half time uh, we were we were two pints behind, and of course two pints behind Kerry. I didn't know much anything about Kerry or whether they're fight back or what, but somebody told me like you know if you're not ahead of Kerry at half time you've had it you know. Well we weren't, and we thought we'd do the best we could the second half, and. We set uh, set out about, but I'd been, before we started, Keenan pulled me one side. I, I hadn't just had met Donald Keenan that day, and he said, uh, "Can you use your elbow?" I said, "Why?" Well, he says, "If you can use it," he said. And why? Why? I said, "Because if you don't, we're beaten." I was playing on. Jackie Lyon, who was playing 40. I didn't know who Jackie Lyon was. Didn't even know his name. But he said to me, that's a good half-forward you're playing on. If he gets a chance, he says, we're ruined. Well, Jackie Lyon knew all about my elbow before that match was over. And I belted everybody I could with it. And Keenan thought I was great. Afterwards, he had a great laugh about it. John Tiernan, Roscommon footballer of the noughties in 2006 I quit my job and went to Guatemala in Central America after Hurricane Stan had hit the area and uh, wanted to help out in, in any way I could while I was there um, the country had been uh, ravaged by a hurricane um, which had left hundreds of people homeless and uh, had killed hundreds and hundreds of people um, when I arrived uh, a lot of work had started um, 
uh, through build, building houses was the main thing. So uh, I just basically grabbed a shovel and joined in with the rest of them and uh, worked for three months building houses for the people that had been affected by, by Hurricane Stan. While on the way to work, uh, I used to jump in the back of a truck uh, with all the other Guatemalans. On the truck used to be uh, quite a number of kids, six, seven, eight years of age, all carrying machetes. I learned later that these guys were going off to do a day's work in the forest, cutting down wood to chop up for firewood or to sell. Child labour is one thing hearing about it on the, on, on the TV or on, on the news, but when you see it up front, it's, uh, it's very distressing. Andrina was a 12-year-old girl in the school where I worked. Uh, she'd been left homeless uh, by Hurricane Stan as well. Uh, she and her four siblings lived in a tent. Uh, and in Guatemala, you have to pay for education, so it costs 50 euros a year to go to school. Now, that doesn't sound like much over here, but it's very, very expensive over there. So naturally, Andrina couldn't afford to go to school. Uh, upon my departure from Guatemala, uh, Andrina presented me with a little biro uh, wrapped in various colours string and it read the letters J-O-H-N uh, upon seeing this biro uh, I had a brainwave that maybe we could um, change the colours and um, produce these biros uh, for other purposes i.e. football teams so uh, before I, I left I asked her could she make 10 biros with the Roscommon colours to read the name Roscommon uh, she did that very willingly and I paid her two euros each for the biros. Thus earning 20 euros for Andrina. When I brought them home, they were a huge hit instantly around the Roscommon area. Uh, so much so was the interest that I ordered um, 100 more uh, for Christmas and they sold like wildfire. So uh, it was through Andrina's small gift that she was able to create uh, a money stream for herself and in fact to get herself back into back into mainstream education so that's one of the main successes uh, of my time going to Guatemala that uh, I was able to create a link between Roscommon and Guatemala and link between the first world and the third world uh, one of the most um, pleasant moments for me uh, throughout my time in Guatemala was um, presenting uh, a set of Roscommon jerseys to the local school uh, soccer team um, and even to this day now, when I see the Rossies running out um, playing, uh, I still have a wry smile on my face thinking of the lads back in Guatemala who are wearing the exact same jerseys. Uh, and um, that just shows another link between Roscommon and uh, my time in Guatemala. Alas, it isn't to be Roscommon's day. We were so close, so close, and yet so far away. Elsewhere, Kerry beat Cork, Donegal triumph in Ulster, and Dublin win Leinster. Dennis Bastic, here's Mossy Quinn, lifting it in over the top, looking for Bernard Brogan, and off the line, goalkeeper came, and the ball ends up at the back of the net, and what a hugely cruel goal that is on Anthony Masterson. On Wexford, but Dublin will take it all day long. Oh, he should have caught it. He was driving onto it, panned it against his own defender, Anthony Masterson. As Graham Malloy retreated, I think that's what he intended. I don't know where the idea came to, but I remember being at home and I remember getting up. And I said, you know what I'll do? I'll go to Hyde Park, the greatest stadium in the world when you're from 
County Roscommon. I said, you know, I'll go in at 12 o'clock and I'll score, a, uh, I'll score a goal. And then it'll be the first goal of the new millennium that'll be scored in the greatest stadium in the world. And she uh, didn't get excited about it. And I was going to tell nobody first about it, you know. Headed off to Hyde Park, so we did. And you know what I brought with me, Holly? I had the football, I brought a candle, and I brought a torch. And I lit the candle. When we got to Hyde Park, uh, we were very fortunate when the gate was opened. We got in, and it was a beautiful, balmy night, uh, that New Year's Eve for the millennium. And didn't we light the candle on the hollow ground? Holly, I put the ball down on the penalty spot into the town end, and I stood back, and we had the candle lit. I remember the candle stayed lit, and we had the radio on as well. When Why we brought the radios, we wanted to get the timing perfect. We had the countdown, we had old anxiety, we had the bells going for 12 o'clock, and we waited until about uh, nearly 5 past 12 to make sure we were going into the new millennium. The ball goes down, Paddy Joe steps back, put the ball in the back of the net. What a moment! All the Rossies, I scored it for you all over the world. Sydney, Tahiti, wherever you are, this goal is for you. Also, I let me ego go a bit wild. When the ball hit the back of the net, Holly, didn't all the fireworks and the crackers go up to uh, celebrate the new year? And I said that was to celebrate Paddy, Paddy Joe's goal. Progress, get your progress for your Great. Crow Park, Dublin, Ireland. Bank holiday, August weekend, where all the big boys are. And thank God we're Roscommon are here today. Two weeks since the Connacht final, we were devastated. We were very, very disappointed. Come on, Roscommon, leaving! Come on, Real enthusiasm for this battle, brilliantly cooked out of the air by Kyle Coney. Coney being tracked back by Kevin Higgins. Now Peter Hart, he's hard to become an influence in this game. Here's a man who really influences any game he plays in. Sean Cabner! dream is over for 2011 but I was so proud of Roscommon today, we did exceptionally well, we came up again a team that was 6-1 to one on we played exceptionally well the scoreboard doesn't do us justice we weren't 11 points a worse team and for the rest of the qualifiers it's the end of the road for Roscommon last year's finalists down lose to Cork and Wexford controversially come a cropper against Limerick. With time almost up, Ian Ryan had the chance to win it. His high-swinging free, though, was signalled wide by the umpire on this side. On the far side, though, the other umpire raises the white flag. The referee came to consult with his umpires as Wexford claimed the ball was wide. The replay, I'm afraid, is somewhat inconclusive as Ryan's high ball comes down from a mighty height. In the end, the referee made the decision in Limerick's favour, and the Munster men were ahead. She was from Kerry. She was um, she had an inn here at, at the bottom of the town in, in Roscommon, and uh, uh, the story goes, according to Sir William Wilde, uh, the, the story goes that um, she had a son, and the son left her. She was such a bad mother. The son left her, and. This, 
went off and decided to make his fortune and uh, he did make his fortune and then he said, felt sorry for leaving his mother and thought maybe maybe she would soften in her old age so he decided to come back to Roscommon and see if he would be accepted with open arms but anyway he came back to Roscommon his mother didn't recognise him and he, it was late at night and he decided he'd leave it all till the following morning right but he was well dressed and uh, she thought maybe this fella has a bob or two right and he went to bed and Lady Betty being the uh, avaricious character that she was she stabbed him in his oh sleep God. and the next morning lo and behold she discovered that she had killed her own son right but anyway um, she was up and she was up before the, the judge and she was sentenced to death right and rightly so and she was sentenced to be hung and at that time you know, uh, they wouldn't just hang one person, you know, they, they did it sort of conveyor belt style in Roscommon. You had the shapestaters, who we were proud to be. Shapestaters were the Rossies. Hung, the Rossies, the river men, you know, okay, they went to have it maybe a neat half dozen. I'd let them all off at the one time. Paddy Joy, I think you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we continue with Lady Betty. It does happen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, she was sentenced to death, and there they were, six of them waiting to be executed. But on the day of execution, there was a problem, a big problem. The executioner went off and got drunk where he couldn't be found anyway. Oh, and, no. And the sheriff... Drunk again. Drunk again. And the sheriff and the deputy, they, they were men of refinement. They, could, they couldn't hang Lady Betty, not, not them, you know. So, like, they had a big problem, you know. Uh, six uh, condemned prisoners, no executioner, right. So the sheriff got a bright idea. Any one of you six that'll execute the other five gets a reprieve. Lady Betty put her hand up, did a brilliant job at, at executing her five fellow prisoners, and she was Roscommon's hangwoman thereafter. The quarterfinals go the way of the provincial champions. Neil Gallagher has a chance here for Donegal. Rory Kavner gets it inside, no free given. It's Emmett Fulton. Lining up as Neil McGee. Here's a chance. He has it. He has it. It's dropping over the bar. Kevin Cassidy has surely put Johnny Gold in the Ireland semi-final. Mayo, who defeated Ross Common, take the scalp of Champions Cork. Aiden O'Shea to Kevin McLaughlin. McLaughlin for Mayo on the run against the Cork attack. And then lose to a Gooch-inspired Kerry in the semi-final. Pace-wise, Cooper's in after it. Cannon again. It breaks through. Here's Colin Cooper. But most talk concerns Donegal and Dublin. It's about getting to the final. It's about getting there on the 18th of September. Kerry are there, Dublin are there. And a long-lost Middle Eastern tribe. I've seen the apocalypse there in the last 38, 38 minutes. Remember that tribe in, in, in Iraq, the Shiite tribe? Well, we've watched Shiite football for the last... They, you know, there's people go to the Hague for, for war. The there's people oh, go to the Hague, Michael, for war crimes. I tell you this, some of the coaches nowadays, and you, some of the coaches should be for crimes against Gaelic football. This no, was... No, no, oh, this is after that, you know what happened. The shy retiring goalkeeper and the final score. And Kerry have got to come up with a score. The two minutes are over. The two minutes are gone, but the match still continues. Stephen Cluxton with that stop. It's over. It's all over. And Dublin 
have ended their 16-year famine. 1995 under Dr. Pat O'Neill was their last All-Ireland. That is astonishing. The goalkeeper, who was their fourth top scorer all year, had missed one in the first half. But he held his nerve, kicking into Hill 16. And Dublin have beaten Kerry. And they are All-Ireland champions. That was the 2011 Championship with Paddy Joel, the barber. Paddy Joel. Good man, Aidan. Grace. Aidan, what are we going for, please? What? Uh, probably a three on the top and a two on the sides, Paddy Joel. Okay. Usual. And, and perfect, perfect. Off we go. Great, Aidan. Oh. So that's it, Aidan. All our footballers come to an end. Well, at the end of the season now, and sure, sign of winter, the clocks will be changing soon, and we'll be. No, and it wasn't a bad time all round either. We we had some great games, you uh, know. We had, and, and, and even Bridget's making the club final as well. So that's right, yeah. And you know, the old people used to say it, and I think they were brilliant philosophers. They were great. The most important thing that we can give one another is our ear. Just give an ear, like, just allow someone to, for to release whatever sensational developments has gone on in his life. Let it out and let it off. And sure, it's great to be, for to have a place for him to be able to say, for to be able to let out that and in exa- a safe environment. Uh, and exactly what's happening now is you could go home with a lot less hair than you thought you were going home with because <laughs> the, the chat was good and the crack was going well. And I go home to my wife and she said, Harry Joe was in good form today. I said, why? You don't have much left. <laughs> Saturday evening, we're heading out. Another day over, another week over. I'll be back on Monday morning. The Rossies will definitely be back next year. The dream lives on. Sam is coming home, and we cannot wait. We're getting very close. Monday morning, we'll be back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.